Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to worship. So excited to be with you this morning. A few announcements we'll make as we get started. Uh, first off, we would like to find out who is in worship this morning. Uh, there are pew pads on the inside aisle of every pew. We invite members and guests. Take this pew pad, write your name down, give us contact information if you choose, and send it down so everybody has a chance to fill it out on your pew. Uh, we do ask, once it gets to that last person, when you're done, send it back uh, to where it got started. And we do ask that first person, when it comes to you, please tear out the pages that were used today, and our ushers will collect those at the end of the service. Thank you. Reminder to our children, we are having children's time today, right after the first hymn. Also, uh, next Sunday is a special day in our, in our year. Uh, our youth will be leading in worship during the 11 o'clock service only. Uh, there will, the 9 o'clock service and the 11 o'clock will meet in here at 11. Uh, and so we're looking forward to a combined service, and our teenagers will be leading us in worship. A few announcements I'll draw your attention to there in your bulletin. Uh, first off, College Parkers. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be having their meeting uh, this Thursday at 11.30. Make note of that. Also, uh, our church is hosting a smoke alarm installation training workshop, and there are several details there in your bulletin. I want you to, to make note of that. Make sure you read through that and get all, all those details. We're just a couple of weeks away from revival. Uh, you may have noticed something in the front lawn. Uh, I don't know. You might want to just... Make note of that as you drive past the church. There could be a little symbol of what's coming. We're looking forward to a great time of revival uh, just in two weeks from today. Uh, It it will be here very, very soon. Other things are listed there in your bulletin and opportunities for the week. Uh, Just make note of those. We want to say a special welcome uh, to our guests this morning. And we have ushers that are coming down the aisles now. Uh, You gave us your information on the pew pad. We're very, very thankful for that. Uh, If you are a guest... Uh, Our ushers would like to give something to you. Uh, So just raise your hand right where you are, and the usher will recognize you. They'll give you a packet of information. Uh, Inside this packet, you'll find a letter from our pastor uh, welcoming you to our church. Also, you'll find a newsletter that tells you what's happening in the life of our congregation and a little bit of the story of College Park. So thank you for being a part of worship this day. So what happens after Easter? What happens... After Easter, such a big day, a day that defines who we are as believers in Christ. What about the day after Easter? Shouldn't Easter define every one of our days? We live as resurrected people, as a people who trust in a God who has power, even power over death. That's a God we we worship with everything that we have. Let us prepare for worship this morning.
pray with me? Forever and ever and ever and ever, we will praise your name, God. For you are holy, you are mighty, you are forgiving, you are righteous. And in your love for us, you sent Jesus to take our punishment, to die our death, and to give us power over the grave. And so, Father, we come to worship you this first Sunday after Easter. We come to glorify your name as if it's Easter morning. And we see for the first time, you are a risen Lord. Speak to us. Be in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a seat. Good to see everybody this morning. Everybody good? Has everybody recovered from all that candy you got from Easter? No. Eat one piece a day. That's a good rule, one piece a day. Well, I have, I have something. I want to show you a couple of pictures, and Drew's going to help me out here. Let me see. Do you Hold that for me, Drew. Does anybody show them, everybody, show that picture? Does anybody know who... What that is? Flamingo. Flamingos. All right. Let me see. Now, flamingos, they're, they kind of like to hang out together, right? 
Have you ever you've seen like a whole flock of flamingos hanging out in the water? Well, that's what they like to do. Well, there's another picture. Let me, let me take this one away. Let, look at that. Does anybody know what that is? A crow. Ugh. Now, crows, they like to do things on their own. And just a little hint, moms and dads, young crows, they like to uh, keep getting mom and dad to feed them even after they're hungry. I don't know if you've ever had that kind of teenager experience. They just keep wanting parents to feed them and feed them and feed them. Crows, crows are very, very, very different than flamingos. They kind of hang out by themselves. They, they kind of fend for themselves. They'll fight other crows off. Flamingos, they're a little bit different. They kind of hang out together. They look, they look out for one another. And you always see them in big groups, right? That, good job, Drew. You can take a seat, buddy. Do you see, that's a big difference, right? They hang out together. They do their own thing. They want to play with their own toys. They don't want anybody to play with their toys. The flamingos, they share. Well, there's a really important message that Pastor Raymond is going to talk about this morning. Sometimes you and me, we like to be more like crows. We want to do our own thing. Nobody mess with us. I want to play with my toys. And nobody else play with my toys, right? But sometimes we're really good at sharing, looking out for each other, taking care of each other. Pastor Raymond's going to talk about this morning. We need to be like flamingos as the church. We need to help each other out, share our toys, share our things, love each other. So this morning, do you want to be a crow or a flamingo? Flamingo. That's what it means to be church. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you give us so many gifts And you want us to share them with one another. Because they came from you. And just like the flamingos teach us, we need to look out for each other. Treat each other kindly. Share with each other. That's how you meant for us to live and to love. So help us choose to be like that here at church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good job. You can go back to your seats now. flamingo it's it's sort of hard to stand on one leg all the time like that (laughs) well you know you see them in the yards everywhere all around winston-salem they do hang around together but they're always on one leg anyway um now let's hear from god's word a good psalm a short psalm psalm 133 how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore.
Would you join me in prayer? Father, we just thank you so much for your love, which unifies us and brings us together. But your love is like none other that can be found upon earth. Your love is filled with mercy, compassion, forgiveness, and grace. Your love is a transforming force that once we allow it into our beings, we are changed and we see through your eyes. We become instruments of that grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness. We thank you for that amazing love that not only opens the door to eternal life through Jesus Christ, but also changes us that we can be your servants, that we can go out and love and be your light in a world that's hurting so much for that grace. This love we cannot drum up, and we know that, that we can't create it. It must come from you. So help us to open our lives, our fractured selves, to offer to you our insecurities and guilt or pride, suspicions, and give it all to you, and to open ourselves that we may be doused with your love and filled with it till it overflows, that we then can be unified, one voice, one body, not in agreement about everything, but in agreement about what matters the most to any person upon this earth, and that is a relationship with the living Lord, with Jesus Christ, our Savior. Father, thank you so much for your love. In thy name we pray. Amen.
I have shared with, with some of you the fact that I'm not sure it's possible for me to live a good Christian life without being in a church. A church that's supportive, that encourages you, encourages you, and that's a church like this. Will you pray with me? While we pray, let's pray for patience, for a loving spirit, and for a loving servant heart as we live, worship, and fellowship with one another. Lord God, we thank you for this day, for the newness of life that comes in the beauty of your springtime, for the many blessings you have provided us, for your people, Lord, that you have placed in our path. For these and all the blessings, we give you thanks and praise. Lord, we ask that you will be with us to follow us, be the compass that guides us so that others may see your presence in us. Give us a desire, O Lord, to accept your salvation and a forever commitment to seek and accept your love and your grace. Lord, now as we prepare to give back to you through this church, may we give of our time and resources because of our love and commitment to you and to one another. Lord, we pray that you will keep us ever mindful of the needs of others. Forgive us, O Lord, when we fail you. In Christ's name, amen.
April and May, springtime at College Park is just a good time. I mean, it really is. We started with a couple weeks ago with Palm Sunday, and then last week, obviously, was Easter Sunday. Uh, This week, great time of worship together. Next week, Youth Sunday. The Sunday after that, we begin revival services. Uh, And and then we're looking forward to May with Mother's Day and and, uh, child dedication, parent-child dedication, and Music Sunday following close by. I mean, it's just a great time. Uh, to be together as church, isn't it? I don't know if you drove in this morning, but if you drove in through the front, you saw a phone booth out there with a banner about the upcoming revival. Our theme will be the call. And I asked at nine o'clock, I said, so as you see, as you see that out there, what does it remind you to do? And I was looking for for a little bit different answer, but John Caldwell, one of our band members says, it reminds me to call mom. And I'm like, well, yeah, okay, but can we think more in terms of church, John? And, And so we got other answers, and they were good answers. I want you to focus in on three things. Four, call mom, okay? But, but three primarily, and that is pray for revival, attend revival, and bring somebody to revival. That's right. So we're going to pray for revival, attend revival, and bring someone to revival. And call mom. Yeah, that's right. And call mom. We'll do all those things. Uh, a great time of preparation. And see, I use that word preparation because revival requires preparation. So begin now preparing your own heart as well as preparing your calendar, uh, preparing everything that will take place for us to experience revival as a congregation. Jeff has already given us a good intro into the um, the Bible lesson for today, and Krista, by the way, the ones you see around Winston-Salem, they're not real. They're not real. The flamingos are not real. Um, <laughs> they, they, they don't live here. They don't live here. They really don't. Uh, 
but but flamingo, I guess that's a good. If I'd known he was going there, I'd have wore a, wore a flamingo tie. But um, but th- this is a, an interesting passage of scripture. You've probably heard it uh, and and tried to ignore it um, because we 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 tend to kind of ignore those parts that we're uncomfortable with or think maybe don't relate to us or we don't want it to relate to us. Uh, but it is our lectionary reading. Uh, this this week, and so I thought, well, we, we probably need to spend some time here. There's some good things here. It comes from Acts chapter 4. It's a short passage. It begins in verse 32. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. And if it stopped there, we'd be perfectly comfortable with it. It goes on, no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. What do we do with this? Good news, bad news. Let me give you the bad news first. The bad news is there's no way to preach today's text as if it, as if it could be made to conform with the practices of Western capitalism. <laughs> it just, it doesn't work. The good news is that this is really kind of true of most passages of Scripture. Not, not, really, not really one of them conforms to the current status quo. Thus, the title of the sermon, No More Status Quo. You see, for Christians, whether we like it or not, Scripture is the radical expectation by which status quo is always measured. Any status quo that is out of alignment with Scripture needs to be transformed to fit God's Word, not vice versa. Did you get that? Any status quo that is out of alignment with Scripture needs to be transformed to fit Scripture, not vice versa. That's one of the biggest problems I have with what people generally call political correctness. The, the, the mindset of political correctness, it seems to me to operate on the assumption that surely a loving God would not want to offend anyone and thereby seeks to take God's word and transform it to fit the status quo so that we feel better about ourselves in God's eyes. And see, that's just not scriptural. The early church would have called that blasphemy. (laughs) I suspect probably it really is. And today's lesson describes a a massive transformation for most of us. Because it says everything they owned was held in common. Huh, what do we do with this? Or does it really have anything to do with this at all? Well, it seems communities that live in the power and the faith of the resurrection should, slash, they do have fundamentally different values than the rest of our world. You see, for the, for the degree that, that we buy into the values of the world, we will find this proclamation from Acts uncomfortable. In other words, the more comfortable we are in this world, the more problem we will have with these verses. You know, if it's any consolation at all, I, I'm betting that every person here <laughs> uh, has, has a little uncomfort, uncomfort with these verses. I know the nine o'clock service, there was much wailing and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> We're trying, <laughs> what do we do with this? Well, I, I can assure you 
that, that I preach this passage today, having struggled with it all week long. Uh, following the nine o'clock service, one of the band members that I had lunch with during the, the course of the week, he's, he, he told me after the service, he said, you were struggling with that when we had lunch the other day, weren't you? I said, yeah, I was. He said, I, I look back on it now and I go, wow, you know, he's been working on this all week and, and it keeps you awake at night figuring out how, how do we really, do we apply this to today's living and how do we do that? I mean, it, it's, it's an issue of discipleship, to be quite frank. Everything they owned was held in common. Well, since our ability to focus on things we don't want to hear is very limited, I will try to cut straight to the chase. First of all, do not pretend. Do not be foolish enough to pretend that these words only apply to folks who expected Jesus to come back any day. I mean, in the first century, there was a great expectation. It literally could be tomorrow. You know, he's only been gone for, you know, three or four months now. It's probably going to be tomorrow. And, and in that, if that's the case, then really possessions don't, there's no, there's no need anyway. So they have no value in a very real sense. Don't pretend, do not pretend that these words only apply to those folks back then. Luke, Paul's doctor Luke, wrote Acts somewhere between 70 and 85 A.D., depending on who you read and who you listen to. And, but, but still, the point is, that's 35 to 50 years after the crucifixion. You see, people then were no longer expecting the world to end that day. This, this community that we read about, just as we are today, was living in the, the between time. Yes, Jesus could come back any day, but, but we really don't live like that, do we? You, you can just watch your lifestyle. We really don't expect Jesus to come back tomorrow based on our lifestyle. They back then were following the teachings of Jesus, just as hopefully we are. Using the stories that were collected then and passed down to each of them, they tried to live more faithfully. They, they, they didn't have the, the benefit that we do of all of Paul's letters and all the teachings put together in one place to where we can, can really get the total picture. They were dependent a great deal upon oral traditions, things they had been taught, they had, been, had heard and been taught. And they were trying to live a, a, a faithful lifestyle. But we also have to remember that they, they were living in a time where there were people that, that mingled with them that had heard Jesus teach. And you heard it from the person who heard it directly from Jesus. Or perhaps you were one of those who had sat on the Sermon on the Mount. You had heard his teaching. You see, they weren't blessed with any, any spiritual grace that we're not blessed with nor were they genetically immune to wanting worldly success. All you need to do is read the five verses that come after our lesson today to know that these folks were wrestling with the same issues we wrestle with. Okay, so you can't then say, these people, this may have worked for them, but it doesn't apply to us. You can't say that. It's not valid. Second of all, let's not dismiss this passage as some kind of ideal that no one really took seriously. Because... They did. Followers expected to live this way because that is exactly how Jesus told us to live. More than once, in fact. And sources contemporary with the early church comment more than once on the fact that there were 
no destitute members in the community because all things were held in common except their wives. That's comforting. And that they distributed whatever was necessary to those who were in need. They did it. Now, the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything was held in common. That's what it says. Now, we may not like this teaching. We may not find it convenient. We may not practice it, but there's no question whatsoever that it was and is the expectation among Jesus' followers and is even now the practice in some Christian communities. You say, name one. Well, you probably have to go outside of America to name one. Like I said at the beginning, it just doesn't seem to mesh with Western capitalism. But that's not really the point, is it? See, it doesn't matter whether some folks some other time and some other place did, or it doesn't matter whether some people even today in another country do it. The question comes home for us, what are we going to do with it? Discipleship is not something that can be appropriated vicariously. (laughs) It can't. It's only something that can be incarnate by any given disciple in real time, usually, usually with real struggle. The point is not whether someone else chose, but who we believe God to be and how he intended life to be in order to reflect integrity and beauty. You see, if that is if we intend to reflect Christ's image. It's tough. But, but think about it this way. Let's reflect on the universe that God has given us to live in. Reflect for just a minute. The sun doesn't shine only when we pay an igniter to, to light it, right? Nor does me receiving sunlight mean that there's less for you, right? You get the picture? Every gift and blessing that matters as a part of God's universe is free and prodigal and universally available. It's in abundance. From the air that we breathe to the water table that undergirds our food supply to the love that embraces us to laughter, to starry skies, to gravity. It's in abundance and it's freely given. And the community of Jesus' followers understood, they did. They understood that private ownership is therefore an illusion. There's an old saying, and I could not find who said it. I had it, had it written in my Bible in a margin, and I did not write. I suspect maybe it was Vance Havner or D.L. Moody or one of the good preachers in the past that could, could get it done. <laughs> but, but the saying was this, the thing... The thing that humors both God and Satan is the human concept of possession. And as I recall, they went on to explain God laughs at our concept of possession because he knows it's, it's an illusion that he owns it all and it's just on loan. Satan laughs at the concept of human possession because he, he knows that if he can get us obsessed with possession then we'll be absolutely no good to the kingdom of God. 
everything in some way, shape, or form originates with God and has been created for all of creation. All good things come from God. I, I, can, I can stop the free and generous cycle of resources by trying to hoard them for myself, but that is not what God does because that is not who God is, nor is that what he re- requires and desires from us. And in a community of resurrection people, we are practicing what it means to trust that life is so abundant that nothing can stop it, not even death. That's the lesson of Easter. Now, is that easy? Probably not for most of us because we've been trained pretty strongly by our culture. The training that says that scarcity is the final word. But, but friends, I mean, we, we just went through Easter. We went through Lent and we, we looked at the journey of Jesus to the cross and, and we, we worshiped together and we celebrated last week with Easter Sunday. So it's still fresh in our minds and we need to remember the resurrection is the proof that scarcity is not the final word. Which means that we can truly live in the same trust as those early disciples did. We just need to start. We have to change our mindset. And as far as implementing this concept into the 21st century of America, let me offer a couple suggestions. First of all, this is not the first time that we've, we've seen this passage or this concept within Scripture. If you go back to Acts chapter 2, remember these verses. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. It's not the only time we hear this. It was widely known to be the way they lived. Because they wanted to live according to Jesus' teachings. Second observation, today's passage from Acts 4 or the one I just read from Acts chapter 2, do not say that everyone had exactly the same amount or that the same possessions necessarily. What it does say is that they held everything in common. They sold possessions to take care of people that had need within their community. And as a result, there was no poverty. It was a non-issue. It also says in chapter 4 that they understood that what they owned was not their own. Well, that just makes good sense, doesn't it? We've said many times, we, you can't take it with you. We, we understand that, at least with our head. We have to put it in action. And how do we do that? Well, let me say this. I, I believe College Park does a good job with it. I mean, I'll be honest with you. We're not perfect. I understand that. But in terms of taking care of people and people stepping up and doing whatever is necessary to take care of people, I, be, I do believe we do a good job with that if we know that there is a need. I believe we do. Could we do better? Yes, we can. 
now that we take care of our own, could we do better taking care of our community? Yes, we could. But you see, sometimes it's too scary to, to go out and sell everything. But may, maybe you could start with that extra vehicle that sits in the garage that, that you seldom if ever drive, or, or the jet ski. I've never had a jet ski. kind of always wanted a jet ski. be a good way to hurt myself, wouldn't it? A jet ski, maybe a bicycle that you don't ride anyway. You could sell those. Give them the money people need. Or you could just cut out the middleman and just give it to someone who needs transportation. Or you could offer your sweater to the person that's cold. You could do like one of our Sunday school classes did, and, and many did from recreation, and many of you had a part in this winter. We put together packs that had uh, thermal blankets and, and gloves and mittens and hats and, and, and gave to people that were cold. We took care of needs. Maybe give a pair of shoes to someone who needs a pair. Get, just take care of people. Take care of people. Feed the hungry. Care for their needs. Yes, we do some of that. Could we do more? Yes, we could. Can we get rid of some of the junk in our house, sell it, and use that money to do something much more beneficial, like giving more to the benevolence missions or ministries? Yes, we could. It's getting motivated to pile into that junk and get rid of it. It's going to burn anyway. Can you imagine the ripples through this community and through this city if every one of us did these type of things. Not for our glory, but just to be obedient to the teachings of Christ. Can you imagine what would happen in our hearts when we learn what Anne Frank noticed? She said, no one has ever become poor by giving. That'll preach. I'd, I'd take off on that, but that's another 30 minutes. No one has ever become poor by giving. Private ownership is an illusion that I'm afraid our financial markets use to keep us afraid and enslaved. We serve a God of endless resources. Now, does that mean we're supposed to be foolish with the, the resources God has given us? Of course not. We know better than that. Jesus taught, taught about wise stewardship as well. And yet the key component of stewardship is that his resources are infinite when used for his glory. That's it right there. That seems to be the key. His resources are infinite when used for his glory. May we discover the joy and freedom of what it means to share in God's abundance together. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, forgive us. Forgive us when somehow we're arrogant and foolish enough to believe that all the stuff around us is, is ours. Father, we've just been made stewards. We've been made stewards of what belongs to you. So therefore, we pray for the wisdom to be good stewards. We pray for a generous heart to take care of those in need. Father, we pray for a conviction that drives us to the point where we, 
we don't hang on to stuff, but get it to people who can actually use it or need it or sell it and use the financial resources to feed those who are hungry and clothe those who need clothes. And help us to remember that we serve a God of abundance. It's the stewardship that's the issue. It's giving you the glory that's most often the issue. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that we are a part of a congregation who who understands the concept but may need to continue to work out the details. And we pray that you would guide us, that you would put this upon our hearts and minds daily as one of the teachings that, that needs to become a priority in our lives. To go, yes, to go against the culture a little bit. To go against the culture that says, take it all, get all you can get. And instead, give all we can. Thank you for your patience today. Discipleship issues are hard to preach about, but we need to hear them. We need to take them and make them a part of who we are. And discipleship has an implication to it, and that is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you're following after him or seeking to follow after him. And if you don't have that relationship, we have an opportunity for you. We're going to sing in just a moment, and I'll be here at the front. Be glad to talk with you about your relationship with Christ whether it's non-existent or one that's growing. Uh, if, you, if you are not a believer, I'd be glad to talk with you. If you are a believer but you're struggling with some issues, I'd be glad to talk with you and pray with you. The altar will be open if you just want to come and pray here. And certainly you can pray right where you're seated or standing as we sing. If you're here and you say, well, I'd like to be a member of this church. I've been visiting for a while. I've been watching, and, and I really would like to be a member. There's a lot of ways we receive members. I'll be glad to talk with you about that as well. And whatever your decision is, I invite you to make that as we stand and sing together now.
Let me encourage you, following the benediction response, greet one another, encourage one another, meet those who are guests with us, uh, give them a word of encouragement, get to know them just a little bit. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, as we go out, uh, help us to go with your word resonating in our hearts and our minds. Help us to go aware of how you lead us to touch and to bless and to help other people. God, as we do so, we, we ask that you remind us to constantly give you the praise and the glory as you direct our steps. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. We lift our voices.